Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. Today we get super strong with powerful female leads. And we chat about some movie reboots and talk about what we did last summer. It's time for a top three turf war. Guys, have you heard about this? Apparently someone got a hold of a version of Endgame. And they cut out the women, and they minimized Black Panther's role in the film. Sounds like a real stand-up individual right there. I don't know. I mean, you basically... Black Panther's in the movie for a minute. So that's just weird that you thought to remove Black Panther. Well, that just shows how hateful this human is. So it got us thinking. What are the top three female-led films that make you feel that females are strong... So these are our top three female-led films. What's yours? Ivana, you want to kick us off? Yeah, you go first. Well, let's start with The Silence of the Lambs with Jodie Foster. Interesting choice. The Silence of the Lambs is deceiving because she's small in stature, but she's the only one who can bring in Buffalo Bill because, of course, Hannibal Lecter trusts her, a rookie over anyone else coming into his cell and helping. But even without the help of Hannibal Lecter, she is the one who discovers the butterfly in the throat. She is the one who kind of plays Hannibal at points just as well as Hannibal is playing her. I think Jodie Foster is an amazing lead in Silence of the Lambs and doesn't get the credit because so often we're talking about Hannibal Lecter in that film. I think she is really impressive in that movie, but it's interesting. I never would have, I not that she's not strong, she is, but I think because of the way that he manipulates her throughout it and how it affects her, I never really think of her that way. Um, but you're right, she is definitely the one person who, who's able to do all these amazing things in this movie. Um, and she does play and, him. And while the whole country is looking for buffalo bill and this woman who was taken who finds her who it's it's agent starling in the the dark terrified you're watching her she is scared but she is not going to that's not going to stop her from doing the right thing and finding this killer and ah isn't that ending so terrifying in the dark it's a really good ending you feel so great when she shoots him And you're like, yeah, you got him. That is amazing. (laughs) What is your number three? My number three is Sarah Connor in T2. Okay, but do you feel like Sarah Connor leads the film? I mean, that film, I think, in a lot of ways is a three-hander. It's equally held up by all, all the people in the film. And I think that the film is amazing and really shows the power and the fierce or ferocity of of women. And I think that is Sarah Connor. I mean, she is cunning. She is scrappy. She thinks quickly on her feet. Um, But at the same time, she can be trusting. And as much as she wants to ignore her humanity, it comes out like when she realizes that she cannot kill um, the guy who cr- is going to create the tea machines. Miles Dyson. That's it. 
So I, those are all the things that I think make her super strong. And I think she does lead the film. That film is very much a three-hander um, split equally. And she is the narrator of the film. So, you know, she gets that title as well. So I just think she's, she's awesome. And the film is awesome. And yeah. So I'm curious if we went different ways on her list. Because a strong lead female for me is might be a different kind of strong than you are because mine are definitely not Sarah Connor level of fear. <laughs> I think I picked different ones, different people for different reasons of being fierce. Well, my number two is definitely like Sarah Connor would crush this one. Uh, and it is a little film that I know you haven't seen, but I've talked about and it's called East Side Sushi. And it's about a Latino mother in poverty in L.A., who wants to be a sushi chef. But because she's a woman, and because she's not Japanese, she could never be as good a chef as the these people. It would never happen. And she spends years in the kitchen, waiting for her chance, biding her time, well, all the while she's making sushi. She's doing this incredible job. She comes home and cooks for her children. Uh, her child, not children. And at the end of the film, you can see there's a level of respect for her. And she earned it through grit and determination. And she fought to get that spot, even though it was... You know, traditionally Japanese man mm. leading that charge. Uh, she showed that she has just enough talent, if not more so, than the people in that restaurant. And I love this film. Um, how'd you hear about this film? Uh, it was on Google Play as like a recommendation because I liked Moana. Hmm. And it was like, if you liked Moana, you might like this film. And I'm like, really? Okay. Uh, and it's on Amazon Prime for free. So I watched it on Amazon Prime and it instantly became like not only a favorite of mine, it is now in my top 100 movies of all time. That's awesome. Yeah, that sounds pretty fierce. Um, my next one is from last year and it is The Favorite. Amazing, but there are three women in that. Yes, yeah, that's who is your person. They all are. They are. They are all. I think that's that's the point of this film. This film is, you know, however long it is, an hour and a half, two hours of women being fierce in all the different ways that women can be fierce. Um, I mean, literally every male in this movie is like diminished in some way or another and and are inconsequential yeah totally and so i just think and the movie is funny and it's really entertaining i really love the the cinematography is out of this world and uh so this is definitely my like up there as one of the best sort of female fierce movies i really like your choice i didn't think of the favorite but that is that's an excellent female-led film with strong, strong women at the mm -hmm. helm. What's your next one? 
Your number one. My number one. Uh, is it a cheat? I don't know if it's a cheat. But I was going through my favorite uh, women in a main role film and what makes them strong. And I had to put Mulan at the top of this That list. counts. I don't think that's a cheat. So Mulan is uncomfortable in her family. Her family, for the most part, sees her as a burden. Why can't you get married? Why are you different? What is wrong with you? But when war comes to China, she does not hesitate to put her well-being over that of her father's to honor their house, to save her father's life because he's far too old to go to war again. And she basically goes into army training where yeah, nobody was really that great at the army tra- training at the beginning. But you realize how smart and capable and strong she is to make it through that. Not only to make it through that, but then to save China. By the end, once she's been revealed as a woman and banished from the army, she knows which direction is right. She sets her target and she goes for it. And that is why Mulan is strong. Even when everyone else doubts her, she steps up and does what's right. She's like basically, she's not the the most courageous. She's not the most brave. She just knows it has to get done, and she's going to get it done. I like it. And that's what makes her strong. Um, my last one, my number one choice, is uh, Furiosa and Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, my gosh. That's my number one honorable mention. And I was like, well, I mean, like, it is Furiosa's movie for sure. It is. Um, but it's Mad Max as the title leader. I was like, ah, I really want to lead all of these with with the top billing as a female. So, uh, so I didn't lead with that, but yes, tell me about Furiosa and like just how great she's she just is. so fantastic. I mean, she doesn't even have an arm, you know, and yet she doesn't need yeah, it. She's like fully able-bodied regardless. She doesn't say a lot, but she sure feels it. And she does the right thing. And she's a woman of action. And I just, I love her. I think she's fantastic. Honestly, I don't think, and this is going to sound controversial, but Mad Max Fury Road does not work if you don't have Furiosa in the film. Oh, of course it doesn't work without her. She is the lead of the film. I mean, Tom Hardy. She, it is her movie. I mean, we've talked about this. The whole concept of these Mad Max movies is that he floats in and out of other people's storylines. So he may be a constant throughout all the Mad Maxes, but he's so broken He's never telling his own story. He just drops in on someone else's. And Furiosa's story is so great. Charlize Theron, this might be one of her best roles ever. I know she won for Monster, but the scene when she realizes how far they've gotten away from the the evil behind them, only to realize to go back. there's nothing waiting for yeah. her. The anguish on her face and... And how badly you feel knowing they were they were safe. They were safe. But they have nothing to stay there for. They will die. They have to turn around. Yeah. 
I think th- that's her journey, right? That's the moment of strength. For I think for me, the moment that she says, all right, let's go back and let's fight. That is her moment of strength, really and truly. Even the rest of it, fighting, everything that she's doing, even though she's like taking these women away, hopefully to a safer place, that moment where she's like, fuck, all right, let's fight. <laughs> that was... And Ivana, and I have talked about this before, but there's a great scene where Max sees Furiosa as an equal. There are not that many scenes in action movies where the male sees the female as an equal. And it's such a great, there's no dialogue. He just knows he cannot make the shot. Yeah. And he passes the rifle back to Furiosa knowing she can. And it's this amazing moment. And it's God, like just singing about it right now in the context of what we're talking about kind of chokes me up. The movie is also just so beautiful oh my god oh it's unbelievable and it's really out of all the movies we've talked about even the favorite who has all the women in the lead it's the only movie mad max is the only movie that doesn't you know that sees a female as an equal i think all the others people look down at the queen people look down at uh at emma stone they definitely do a Mulan. They definitely do an East Side Sushi and The Silence of the Lambs in my movies. Yeah. Sarah Connor, I mean, her her psychiatrist sure looks down on her. Sure does. And what about that guy who licks her face? Gross. But see, I don't think that guy is looking down on her the same way as the other movies. I also, people may think that they look down on the queen, but I think that's the fun of the movie is that in the end... She fucking takes it. She's like... She, she is still the queen. Yeah, well, and like she exacts her power. At some point or another, she's like, oh, you think you can fuck with me? Well, let's see what happens next. Absolutely. Which is a great moment in that film, which it is the ending, but it's still a great moment in that yeah. film. All right, so I think we have our work cut out for I know, us, I think they uh, all this. are really strong choices. I would like to see... Uh, Furiosa for sure on this and maybe at number one really yeah I think so I think it makes the most sense but then I kind of want to see Mulan at number two all right and then we'll do the favorite at number three yeah in the realm of what is accomplished by those three women yes yeah. yes favorite and it's three. and it's the only one of all the movies that is just all women all power all women all power all right let's count this down number three the favorite number two mulan and the number one best female-led film mad max fury road nice i mean obviously alien had to be mentioned in the honorable mention yes because ripley's amazing we know she's amazing we've talked about alien and aliens and ripley forever i just wanted to really take a look at my list and and kind of curate a little bit around what what the norm is. Yeah, she made it onto my honorable mentions as well. I think she's a super strong like character. But to be honest, I haven't seen Aliens yet. Only Alien. And that's the one where she is uh, like an ass-kicking chick. In the original? Or you mean in Aliens? 
aliens. That's where the big line of get away from her, you bitch. That, <laughs> that is the line. Um, also on my honorable mentions, I had Moana. <laughs> Not surprised. I actually thought Moana would be on your list. You know what? It was a it was a fierce battle between Moana and Mulan, and I went with Mulan because I think her sacrifice is a little bit more than Moana's. Because Moana, let's face it, she has the power of the ocean at her side, and and she really wants to go. Right. On my list, I had Katniss Everdeen from Hunger Games. I think she's pretty fierce. Yep, definitely a strong franchise for her. What about Hermione Granger from Harry Potter? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think if I had uh, focused a little more on the the characters versus the movies, I might have had a very different list here. I tried to, I, I kind of flip-flopped between the two, and I think my list is, is a mix of that. I think your mix is, or your, your list is very, very good. Very well thought out, obviously. I took one of yours and put it at the top. <laughs> so, Jay, it's almost the end of June when we're recording this. What are you doing for Canada Day? Well, I'm going to go to Coburg, and we're, there's like this old fair thing that goes on every Canada Day weekend down by the beach. And we're going to watch fireworks, and we're going to ride. No, no, no. I am not going to ride any of those rides. The carnies that put that together, I'm sure they're very well-intentioned. I don't like roller coasters. I'm not even going to get on those rides. But I am going to have some cotton candy. <laughs> you don't like roller coasters? I hate roller coasters. What? They're the most fun thing. How? Wait, how? How is it possible that oh, you don't like roller coasters? I will tell you exactly how. Because I, I know exactly when I don't like it. It's, it's not the heights. And it's not necessarily the speed. It's the first drop. That zero gravity weird thing, it scares the hell out of me in a way that is not fun. Are you? That's the point of roller coasters. That's why they have to keep making them taller and taller and bigger and bigger because you want that feeling. You want that feeling of like, oh my god. I mean, the best thing. I do not want the that best feeling. part of any roller coaster is when you're going up. You haven't like, it hasn't started yet. You're just going up towards the top and you're almost there. And you don't know exactly when it is that everything is going to change and you're going to start falling essentially. Um, and it's that anticipation of, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. That is the greatest moment ever. Yeah, that, that part, like even you describing it, I don't like it. <laughs> I, I'm picturing coming up the round and you don't know when and you're, oh God, like it just, I'm so afraid. What? Even just sitting in this room no. right now. I do not like roller coasters. And I realized this when I was 14 at Canada's Wonderland. And I think a buddy of mine who I was on the roller coaster with instilled this in me because he was like, 13 seconds till you die, Jay. 10 Nah, and I was like, could you shut up? Like, I'm very nervous. And like, he kept on like, he's like, no, it's happening. Five, four. And like, then we dropped. And I was like, not expecting the, the drop. And I think that forever instilled in me like this real fear. I tried to beat it. Um, but no, no. Like I was in Florida uh, about five, six years ago. And we went to Bush Gardens and I tried to beat the fear. 
because I already had overcome the fear of flying on that trip. So I was like, I had overcome my fear of roller coasters. And it was a 90-degree drop. And I was like, oh, well, this is stupid. And then, like, you fell. And I was like, I don't like this. Not even at all. That's so funny. I uh, I went to Wonderland recently-ish. Um, and it was one of those amazing days where it had rained in the morning and then it stopped raining and no one was at the park. So we were getting on rides with like, sometimes we were just getting off and getting right back on again. Yeah, that's amazing. And like we did all the rides and all the big ones twice, maybe even three times, like Leviathan and Behemoth. And that trip, and every trip to a theme park is different, but that trip, I realized that the scariest of all the rides was Drop Zone, where... They just like you sit in this chair and they lift you up like an elevator and then they just like let you drop the like the way you would just drop like gravity. Just there's yeah, it's actually less fast, I feel like, than a lot of the other roller coasters. But because it's just the gravity feeling, it's the scariest. Your stomach just like jumps into your throat. It's amazing. For our American listeners, Canada's Wonderland is like the premier roller coaster theme park in uh, Ontario and in the Toronto region. And every year they build like a bigger and taller roller coaster. They have this Alpine something this year that is supposed to be the world's largest vertical drop. Yep. They're part of the Six Flags family. Or Cedar Point. Cedar, it's the Cedar Point, which I think also is Six Flags, but Cedar Point. Ah, you, you get it. We have cool roller coasters. You should come. Come <laughs> over sometime. It's nice. Mmm. Reboot rumors. It has been forever since we've done this segment, Jay. I think the last time we did it, we were in a professional radio game. That could actually be the case. Um, so I think it's high time that we get back to some movie reboot rumors. Reboot rumors. And let's kick this off with uh, Gladiator 2, this Ridley Scott epic. He wants to come back and do another one of these? Uh, I, I, I don't even know what to... I, I don't think we need another one. I mean, he died. If you recall, the bad guy and the good guy died at the end. Yeah, so what is the next one going to be? That's the question. I don't know, but when Ridley Scott comes back to do, like, alien movies, people are not excited about Prometheus. They're not excited about Alien Covenant. So I don't think he has anything else to do with Gladiator 2. It was a simple movie. It was a simple story. It wasn't, like, overly, you know, world-building-ish. Why do this? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really care for that gladiator it was fine i mean it did win best picture i know it was fine it was just not like the best movie i've ever seen i agree with that So i'm pretty okay if there's not another one i i don't think that we need this movie but i definitely think we need a tarantino directed star trek oh man what does that even look like, like how what does a tarantino star trek look like get this in my eyeballs I don't know. I don't care. I want it. Like, there's so much about it. I'm very curious about this movie. Like, I would see it, like, 100%. But the thing is, is that Star Trek is supposed to be this very idealistic um, 
world that Gene Roddenberry built, right? It's like humanity has gotten better, and that's the point. Um, that and is like the Tarantino point. does the opposite. You know what I mean? He has this very dark outlook on humans and life. I don't know what this film will look like, and I don't know if it will do something really cool for Star Trek, or maybe it will ruin the legacy that is Star Trek. Well, listen, it can't ruin the legacy of Star Trek because Nemesis and The Journey Home, they did some Star Trek badness to this series. I think Tarantino could come and do something we've never seen. It's the first project of Tarantino's that I'm excited for since Inglorious Bastards. Did you like Inglorious Bastards in the end? It is, I think, my second favorite Tarantino movie. Wow. I didn't love it. Yeah. I know. We've talked about that, too. It should be on a take two. Yeah. Um, I, I do really want to see this. I'm skeptical. I'm just going to say it. I hope. Also, J.J. Abrams' companies involved. They are, so yeah. So does that mean we're getting all the same guys back in? Like Chris Pine and... Zoe Saldana. Who, who is the Spock actor? Help me. Uh, Zachary something. Ah, that guy. <laughs> I can't remember who played these people. But I, I definitely loved... I hated Into the Darkness... I loved, I loved, loved into it. Loved. It was the most like a Star Trek. No, I think Star Trek was the most amazing Star Trek. And then we had Into Darkness, which was a Wrath of Khan ripoff. Rip and then we had that really fun one that I liked, which was uh, Star Trek Beyond. Oh, sorry. That's the one I meant that was the most like a Star Trek. That one was the most like a Star Trek. Yeah, I love Star Trek Beyond. I thought that was a blast. I thought it was fantastic. And it was a Fast and Furious director. Interesting. Which made it so much more exciting and fun and silly. Now, let's pivot to the big guns. They're doing a Matrix reboot. And I don't like the idea of this reboot. Because I feel like it should be a prequel. I want to see it like 10 to 100 years in the future from the version that Keanu did. That's what I want to see. So we, I had to quickly refresh myself on how the Matrix trilogy ended. And it kind of ended with maybe there's peace between the machines and humans if they decide that there's peace. But also the Matrix was like shut down as well. So... Maybe the machines a hundred years in the future have reset the matrix and they're putting new babies in to power it. I don't know. That's the thing. Who knows what, what's going on? Um, if they reboot it, going back to the original and restarting like with someone else as Neo, I don't think that will work. And I think that that is... More fun because you set up a trilogy where you told Neo, this has happened 12 times before, and everybody basically said, yes, just reboot the system. The one was like, reboot the system, save everybody. And I feel like one of those 12 times prior would be an interesting story. Because we wouldn't have Neo, we 
likely wouldn't have Morpheus or any of those guys. Yeah, see, to me, that's boring. That's like Rogue One. You know, what do you get? You watch, you get through this movie and you go, what did I spend my time watching this for? <laughs> like, Oh, you, well, you sat through a movie to watch Darth Vader throw a guy on the ceiling and then slice him in half. And that is, that was your price of admission right there. And Leia turning around and, and smiling. Yeah, I could have, I, I didn't need to see that movie. That movie does not need to exist in my opinion. And Seeing one of the inconsequential previous Neos also doesn't have to exist. I want to see what goes on future. Because all the ones before Keanu Reeves, they didn't matter because they all just rebooted the system. They were all boring. None of them were worth a damn. We don't know that. What if that ending is, like, amazing? I don't know. What does rebooting the system look like? What if he reboots the system... And then at the end of the movie, he wakes up next to Neo. Oh, my God. I don't know. Genuinely, we really don't need this movie. The Matrix by itself is still pretty great. It's it's not as great as I watched it the first time, but it's still really well, good. Well, we watched it just a f- couple years ago, I feel like, for this podcast or maybe the one we did before that. And like... It still holds up. Why aren't our yeah. why aren't the Wachowski sisters writing it? That's what I want to know. That's what I want to know. Mm, take two! Last week we decided to watch a movie for a take two. That's where one of us digs a movie and one of us doesn't. And that this time we chose I Know What You Did Last Summer, which I like. And I did not like. The 1997 slasher flick stars Jennifer Love Hewitt, Ryan Philippe, Sarah Michelle Gellar, and her current husband, Freddie Prince Jr. I am always amazed that those two stayed together. Anywho, it's a flick about a group of four. Are they friends? Sort of friends. At the end of high school who are celebrating the 4th of July with some drinks and some partying. And some sex. And some accidental murder. While driving down a windy stretcher road, they hit a man in the street... Assuming that he's dead and not wanting to get caught, they chuck his body in the ocean nearby. Good riddance, random passerby. We cut to one year later with Jennifer Love Hewitt's character. Named Julie James. Shout out to my pal Julie James. (laughs) Julie is having trouble dealing with life and uh, she's not thriving. In fact, no one is thriving, which we come to know when Julie comes home for the summer. On her first day back, she receives a note that says, I know what you did last summer. In the mail, with no postmark, no return address. She takes a note to Helen, played by Sarah Michelle Gellar, who is not in New York City acting, but at home, working for her sister in a department store. And they take the note to Barry, who's played by Ryan Philippe, who has just come home from school and is just pissed at everything in the world. Barry thinks their old frenemy Max did it and goes to pay him a visit. Fun fact, Max is played by probably the richest person in this movie, Big Bang Theory's Johnny Galecki. But it's not Max, who gets a proper visit from a man in a slicker and a hook goes right through his throat. The very same evening, a man breaks into Barry's gym, steals his jacket and car keys and tries to run him over with his beamer. And we find out if the killer really did want to only kill these kids, he would have. Helen gets a visit from the 
barber fairy overnight when someone cuts off a ton of her hair while she's sleeping. Julie finds Max's body in the trunk of her car crawling with crap. And just like that, it's the 4th of July all over again, and the four are now trying to survive from this killer while also trying to figure out who he is. Okay, so going into this movie, I'm the one who digs it, and Ivana is the one who doesn't. Ivana, did it uptick at all for you watching it on the show? I mean, it's an entertaining movie. I cannot say that it's not entertaining. I easily can sit through it. Is it cinematic genius? No. It's not Scream. It's never going to be Scream. It's a good thing that you say that because this was one of the first horror movies after Scream's release that was a big teen's overanalyzing, self-aware a little bit, but they're not. And this was kind of like the follow-up movie after Scream, but Scream did it so much better and obviously revolutionized the stalker genre. Uh, stalker? Slasher genre, sorry. So I like this movie mostly because of its setting. So I'll be honest, like I really dig this coastal small town setting because anyone can be the killer. Whereas the one thing that I think this movie doesn't do very well is the killer is not really anyone we ever met before, right? Like it's the guy that they kind of almost killed and... And it's also like a super ridiculously confusing mystery. Yeah. It's not the guy... So they think they killed this guy, David Egan. He didn't kill David Egan. Because Ben killed David Egan and they ran over Ben and didn't kill Ben. So Ben is back to kill them because they didn't kill him the first. It is a weird convoluted story. And the problem is you never meet Ben until you meet Ben. And so it takes the whole concept of figuring out who the killer is and it lowers those stakes. I think one of the things that made Scream and the whole aspect of like who's the killer so exciting is that anyone can be the killer and it was one of the kids that's the killer. But because this movie only has four of them, you know none of them are the killer. Well, and they set it up that Freddie Prince Jr., who was Julie's ex-boyfriend, Ray, could have done it because he's a fisherman and has a slicker and just can I ask you a question? Just like, left. did you ever, at any point in time of ever watching the movie, ever think that it was even remotely possible for him to have done it? No, he is not sinister at all. There's never like even a play. There's a great scene in Scream where Skeet Ulrich and Matthew Lillard look at each other, and Matthew Lillard's like, I didn't kill nobody. And Skeet Ulrich is like, No one said you did. And they linger on it for about two seconds. And this is only like 15 minutes into the film. But you right there have this planted seed of doubt on these two people. In fact, I called them as killers the first time I watched it because of this little really? scene in the film. But, but you never get that with Ray. There's never a moment where you're like, I believe that. No. So I just thought it was even ridiculous that they, that they accused him of it. I mean, look, I, the movie is really well acted, particularly by Sarah Michelle Gellar, who I think is the best out of all of them. I will agree with that. She is play, she downplays her, her role 
instead of because you have her as this super sexy awesome vixen at the beginning and then she's almost sullen through the rest of the film she is almost i would say julie uh julie james is, is also like equally different but the real transformation is is Sarah Michelle Gellar. I totally agree. Uh, Julie James, uh, or um, which I feel bad because of your shout out, Jennifer Love Jennifer Hewitt. Love Hewitt. She's like I hate her. I hate her character. I'm so mad that she's the one that survives. Like what the fuck? Yeah, I don't really love her in this either. No, I, first of all, I think like she makes pretty obvious choices, like. Sarah Michelle Gellar gives a really shockingly layered performance for the character that is written on the page, if you know what I mean. There is a great scene where she would rather do anything that be the, than be this beauty queen again. And she's just she's brushing her hair. And the relationship between her and her sister give such a great character. Like It really develops her character in a better way. That any other of the characters, because Sarah Michelle Gellar has this person to play off of who isn't also worried for their yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, and and that, but either way, I think like the worst part is just Jennifer Love Hewitt's beginning, where like it's one year later and she's flunking out of school because this is like haunting her so much, and I just wanted to slap her and say you're ruining your own life, like I it's your choice that you are fucking this all up. When we said in our bio that nobody is thriving, really nobody is thriving. Like maybe Ray, cause he's a fisherman, but he's not really. No, because thriving. he wanted to be a writer a and now he, here he is doing like this sort of blue color job that he didn't want to do. Which sometimes happens in life. Like sometimes things get in your way, but this is something holding all of them back. And then at the end of the film, after Ben has presumably been killed, you never find the body. Um, and then we get, I still know what you did last summer, but uh, you get a really bubbly Julie at school again, who's really into sex and sex with Ray specifically. And she made the Dean's list. And like this thing, you know, the trauma she had, well, I guess because he was a bad person and they survived. Now she's cool. That's what it is. Exactly. But that doesn't also jive because you were so beaten by the trauma. Where's the trauma from surviving from an actual killer? Yeah. See, these are the reasons why this movie just isn't that amazing. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. You know, like I'd put it, give it, you know, a two, a two and a half out of five. And if I was giving it ratings... What would you rate it? Oh, it gets a two and a half. I, th if I had watched this two years ago, I probably would have gave it a three, three and a half. I still really like the setting. I still think it's a great summer movie. It feels to me like summer when I watch it. Um, but no, I think it's a two and a half. This viewing took it down a little for me. Right. I think it stayed the same. I always thought this was a very entertaining, easy to watch movie. It's just not like that um great for some reason i thought the deaths were more elaborate than they were yeah the deaths were actually not that huge not that big on camera not that much blood the blood wasn't even that realistic which is crazy because you put so much f-bombs in it you got the r rating anyway so why not like up the gore who directed it the director was jim 
Gillespie. It was also written, I believe, by Kevin Williamson. It was. And that I found shocking because I really like... He wrote Scream. He wrote uh, the show The Following, which is really amazing. Um, Also, Dawson's Creek was his creation that brought him as much fame as it did. And that's why, like, Dawson's Beach is mentioned a couple times at the beginning of the movie. Oh, that's so fun. There were some little Easter eggs here and there, like, Sarah Michelle Gellar at one point actually blocks the killer in a very Buffy fashion. Yeah. (laughs) So I think uh, revisiting I Know What You Did Last Summer for me was a little heartbreaking because it wasn't as good as I recalled. Um, But it's definitely a movie you can put on maybe just in the afternoon or you have some friends over. You get a big nostalgia kick. From these four actors, I think. I agree. I totally agree about that. Why don't you let us know what you thought of I Know What You Did Last Summer this time around. And reach out to us on Twitter or, you know, all the places you can find us. And that's our show. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in again next time. If you'd like to support the show, you can hop onto your podcast service. Subscribe, rate us, give us a review. And that will really help the show. Our intro song comes from bensound.com and we encourage you to check out our show notes for more information about our music, our talented voice actors, and our sound effects. Ivana and I love hearing from you, so we built a website. How you can reach out to us is at morethemovies.net. But if you hate websites, you can also email us, hello at morethemovies.net. Find us on Facebook, More Than Movies Podcast. Or catch us on Twitter, I'm at It's Ivana. I'm at Jester J. Thanks again for spending some time with us. We'll be back again soon with an all-new commercial-free episode. And until next time, friends. Do more. And watch more. <laughs>